Space trash. Trash in space. Space trash. Lifestyles of the rich and Uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand. Transmission incoming. Greetings, Trashlings. Welcome back to Space Trash Lifestyles of the Rich and Uranus. I'm Molly Molshine. I am Sarah Armour. And we're here to tell you all about how astrology is ruining and or enhancing your life and the lives of celebrities. Sarah, how's your- Making it. Yes. How's your week going, Sarah? Well, you know, it's a very intense week in the cosmos, Mom. I got to be honest. There's a lot of mama drama left and right. I'm hearing it from my clients. I'm hearing it from my friends. And, you know, there's a huge amount of tension in the sky because we're coming up to a new moon on Friday. Everybody come to the moon, Yule. And honestly, this moon in Cancer is opposite Pluto. So we are all feeling that kind of like unearthing from within. Like, what are the things that we've been trying to hide from ourselves? What are the things that we've been playing it safe like quote unquote playing it safe, but actually we've been like hurting ourselves more. Like I think this is a real time of unearthing a lot of bad behaviors. And so I think we're all feeling that tension, not to mention there's this opposition between Venus and Mars and Saturn. So in general, this is a huge sort of pivot moment in the astrology of this year. And past this, it it should get a little bit not necessarily easier. It's a whole crazy year of astrology, but this week in particular, this is a real week of unearthing demons, unearthing dark shadows, testing our will. The things that we want to do seem kind of like blocked because Saturn is against all this passionate fire energy. And, and then we have this moon, this tender cancer moon, really opposing this hardcore Pluto Capricorn retrograde. So there's a lot of yeah. sort of backwards, backwardsness that's going to lead to forward growth, but we have to kind of deal with the, the pile of rubble that we're all sitting on now that's keeping us from moving forward. Now, what I meant when I said, how's your, how are you doing right now was uh, our Adderall conversation. <laughs> oh, oh, lol. I don't have any Adderall. <laughs> you don't have any Adderall. And and also everything you said is really interesting and I can feel it in my life right now because I'm going through right now and Sam, our guest from last week, I was just talking about this with him yesterday when we were working on something together. My big habit that I'm trying to break is what I call art by algorithm. And I need to stop, you know, my day job is all algorithmically based. And we get into some algorithm chat later on with our guest, Haley Sachs, Mrs. Dow Jones. Stay tuned mm-hmm. for that convo. But I'm so immersed in the digital media world that it sort of affects my creativity because I am thinking about what's going to perform well. Like even, oh, this is what I was going to tell you before that I forgot. When you go on TikTok, it's so easy to get followers and likes, but it's also so easy to become the most hack person on the planet. Like the cool people that follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I don't want them to ever see my TikTok because it's so fucking hack, but it gets a gazillion views. So that's my thing that I'm trying to get rid of during this transit is art by algorithm. That's what I'm shedding. That's what I'm done doing. I need to start plumbing the depths, digging deep within Mal Mal and pulling out some good shit. Well, and isn't that so perfect because like, you know, your son is in Capricorn and we have Pluto in Capricorn. So there is like a rewiring, like there's an unearthing of the way that you've been doing your 10th house son Capricorn, your business. And it has been like sort of chasing the algorithm or like, you know, 
like likes based or, or, you know, very Capricorn stuff, right? Like, mm. like credit based or you want validation or you want fame or right. And so I think that is a perfect example of what you are going through. And then even for me, like where it's like, if there's like, if there is a tool that I rely on when I'm not feeling like particularly fast or funny or on, but it's like, no, Sarah, like, can you do life without it? Like you don't like, fine, use whatever tools you have. But at the end of the day, when you are left to your own natural devices and this green juice and this coffee that I just had to take a little poop break for a little, it's like, I don't get to just hide behind like, no, I just, this is like my natural energy. And I'm just so focused on astrologies and celebrities. And you know, it's like, no, you don't get to hide behind your little, your little pills, little pills in order to, to do it. You actually have to do it from yourself. Did you ever read Valley of the Dolls? Oh Yeah. Oh my God, no one's ever read Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, I, mean, I read it many years ago though. I was like on it early because I, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think I read it in like maybe high school or college or something. Me too. And Suzanne. And I'm saying no one's ever read it, but the truth is a billion people read it. Very it was famous the, book. Yeah, it was the best-selling <laughs> novel of all time for a while, yeah. but like no one our age ever reads it. We should do a special episode at some point all about Valley of the Dolls. We should reread it. I read um, Jacqueline Suzanne's later novel, Once Is Not Enough, a couple months ago and it was the weirdest fucking thing ever but and we should we can talk about that another time too we'll do we'll do her chart about. though i would love to know like what's going on with jacqueline yes we should do her chart incredible writer i am trying to write my own version of valley of the dolls right oh, now yeah. and i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be good but so on the adderall conversation we were talking about how it's so illegal in Singapore and you can go to jail for it and you were like oh so they're just raw dogging it over there <laughs> they're just like smart <laughs> yeah well here's the thing in the UK, there's no Adderall and no one misses it and no one thinks they have ADD. Like it's, it's our culture. It really is. Like for me as a kid having ADHD, I, I was never diagnosed until college, but like all I knew was that the way that I knew that I was really smart, not to bring, I was in I was in gifted and talented. I was like up a grade for my reading level, but like certain work, I just was like, I can't fucking do this. Like, I don't want to do this. And why do I have to do it? Like, it's not interesting to me. And like, I can tell you every fact about World War II in three minutes <laughs> at age eight, but like, I can, I don't want to do math. And that shouldn't be something that's that's medicated. And in the UK, it's not like in the UK, they splinter off into different disciplines at a much earlier age. Wow. Okay. That like, so Nick is a programmer. He doesn't even know who like James Joyce and Oscar Wilde are. Because oh, wow. So it's like very like just specialized learning. It's like, oh, if you're good at this, do this. Right. Which is like obviously good and bad, but so yeah, no, I think but it actually is more um like natural, right? Because like not all of us are going to be able to like do everything, right? If you're an expert at something and I think the thing about people that have ADD or ADHD or whatever we're pretending to call it in the United States, like what we're actually talking about is just like specialists. Yes, that's exactly it. Like if you if I was in a you know, self-led like Mary Kate and Ashley Gallatin School of NYU, pick your own major, I would have beasted it. Like yeah. I actually don't have a bachelor's degree because I failed astronomy by like one point. And I have astronomy a astronomy of all things. I know. I have a ba I have a master's but no bachelor's. And if how can that be? Because I had enough like professional right. 
I had enough professional stuff under my belt that I got into film wow, school. Wow, that's so my, interesting, Mom. Yeah, but so like the thing is in the UK also, they don't have core curriculum. They don't have those core classes. You just get to college and you do your major and like that, you, they might have a couple core classes, but it's not like I had to take two math, two sciences and a math and I majored in English and minored in French. That's really, well, that was like for me too, like, I was like really, um, I was a very successful kid in terms of like very popular, always class president, leaving the play, captain of the dance squad, competitive gymnast. I played you were sports. like the, you were like the mayor of your school. Like we saw I was like straight that- up the mayor. Like that yeah. is what it was like, except that like, number one, I didn't really have time for class, not available, but then it was like, no math was my big thing. Like when I started to really struggle academically, it was in the eighth grade and it was in math. And it was interesting though, because I remember having that meeting with my teacher and my parents and I don't think I've ever cried more in public in my life I was so like the shame I felt because I was I was also such a natural and so good at so many things that like all of a sudden having this sit-down meeting where it was like this is something that Sarah's bad at I don't know it just like it like washed a wave over me and so it was then that I was diagnosed but then my mother was like no she is not taking anything she's a kinesthetic learner um, but then when I got to college and they, they tried st- certain things on me, but th- my mom was like, no, we're not putting our kid on drugs, whatever. But my freshman year of college, because I also had this diagnosis and I was really struggling in college because same thing I, I got, I went to film school, but the curriculum I was in at BU was in like this sort of, we don't have to get into it, but it's called the, the CGS. It was like, it was like basically like junior college. Then you can go into whatever, whatever program you want at BU. Oh my God, storm. But um, we had to do like two years of like humanities and like math and sciences and all these things. And I was just like, I'm not interested. Like I have work to do. And so that's where I was prescribed it again. And then I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. I'm just like taking this till I die. Like, or at least having a prescription until I die. I'll sell it if I need to. Don't, you know, don't arrest me. But it's like, I'll do whatever I need to do. But like, this is an asset. This is an ally. I'm taking it. It's truly speed and it is truly yeah. from Valley of the Dolls. It's the red pills from Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. And it's also like Hitler was on it during the Holocaust. Like I, you know, I'm not trying to start wars here, but I am trying to, you know, fucking take over the world with this podcast. So I don't know. You tell me, is it right? Is it wrong? I'm not sure, but I, I do appreciate it when I have it. And you know what? Today I don't. So you tell me, am, am I slow? Am I boring? Maybe it's exactly the fucking same, you know? No, you are definitely not slow or boring. I think, I feel like when you don't take it, you're a little more like even keeled. Well, certainly, but what's the fun in that, you know? Yeah, but you're still really fun and charismatic and interesting. Like you don't need to amp yourself up. I really don't, but I do think it's a great thing to have because you can sell it for a lot in New York City. I'll tell you that. It's a great, uh, it's a great thing. That's why I don't have any. I can, I can sold that shit. And you can use it as collateral when you Always. go out to dinner with someone and you <laughs> need to pay your half of the bill. 100%. I've paid you. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Fuck. I loved it. It was better than yeah. money. You know what? It's better than money for a lot of people. So you know what? Use what you got. Everything's your ally unless you abuse it. Is something in the air making people detox? Because so now you're not really detoxing by choice from Adderall, but I have not been drinking for the past week. Oh, go mom. Yeah, just because tomorrow Nick and I are taking our engagement photos. So we are both starving ourselves to try to get back to our like weight that we were at when we met each other. Remember us this way. Right, exactly. So we're not drinking this week. I I did just have one sip of wine because- 
well, Nick has been drinking the last two nights. He gave up <laughs> and he had one glass of wine. He was like, oh, there's just a little bit left and I don't like it. So I was like, I'll have like a gulp, but it's actually gone bad. But so is there something in the stars that's making us detox this week? Well, it's very much this, this, I, I do think it is this, you know, the moon, the new moon coming up is opposite Pluto, which is a very detox energy. It's like, that's what I mean. Like there's this sort of of these psychological achievement based or like social, social based, public based expectations on us where we're going, okay, but like, is that necessary? Is it safe? Is it, you know, so I do think there's that sort of, there's a detox element there. And I also think with this Venus and Mars conjunction in Leo opposite Saturn, I think it's having us all kind of ask like, okay, like if you want to move forward faster, if you want to get ahead, are there things about your life and the, the habits and the routines and the structures or the commitments that you've made that are actually holding you back? Not like the world's holding you back or like you're not just like fat because you're fat or bloated because you're bloated. You might be bloated because you're working binge drinking every night, you know? So I do think that there is this element of like, oh, we're all getting sort of this reset energy where it can feel really frustrating or hard or, you know, draining in a way. But like ultimately it's the thing that has to happen to sort of reset that, you know, Cancer New Moon is really about coming home to ourselves and really coming home to kind of like setting a new foundation, a new baseline for our lives moving forward. So I, I do think that that is a part of what we're all feeling. That's great. And I am definitely going to drink again after we take our pictures. Oh but... yeah. And like, give me the drugs. But for this week, it's a really good lesson. And just like, also we're fine without it. Yeah. Also, sometimes my skin doesn't even look that much better when I don't drink for a week. So Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, we think, I mean, I do think there's a lot of trial and error going on too, where we go, well, maybe this is why, well, maybe this is why. Mm-hmm. And then we go, okay, well, guess and check or, or, you know, we'll test it. And actually, oh, that's not why, or that is why. And then I think it's helpful. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of drugs, unfortunately, Shikari Richardson has been yeah. banned from competing in the Olympics. This is sort of old news. You know, we knew that she tested positive for weed, which nullified her win at the Olympic trials, which was last month. Uh, and she was supposed that that win was supposed to qualify her for going to the Tokyo Olympics in the 100 meter event. Her 30 day suspension does end uh, before August 5th, which made it like possible that she could be in the relay team. But when USATF, the USA Track and Field Organization, sent out the roster, she was not on it. So it's a bummer. It sucks for her because it's weed who gives a shit. You know, it's, it's under the auspices of the International Olympic Committee. So they're pretty strict and they have some pretty weird rules. Um, it does, it, it is like you, you, sh- you should follow the rules, I guess. Like well, if you actually, know, I you're going to get the- dinged. Well, I think it's a different issue than I, I mean, I think that there's multiple unfortunate things happening here, but the reason that, the reason that weed is a thing, because like I'm seeing all the memes where it's like, how can all the white people be buying weed companies and then penalizing somebody for smoking weed, right? The issue here is actually not that she tested, I mean, it technically is that she tested positive for weed. The reason it's actually... I'm not saying it's legitimate. Cancel Tokyo, okay? Let let the girl run. We're all on a little stoned something, okay? But I think that the larger issue is that weed, uh, the reason that that's even like a big rule is because weed hides 
other things in your system. So for example, when they first tested Lance Armstrong, oh. it was weed that he tested positive for because if you smoke weed or you take an edible or something, it, it, when you take a drug test, it masks steroids. It masks other drug, other performance enhancing drugs. So I, I think that there's a bit of a, you know, if truly she literally, you know, and I, I believe from the time that she was tested, I think her mom had died the week before. Like mm. I would totally understand somebody using plant medicine to cope or to feel better. And I don't think in general, it's something, I think specifically it probably makes you run slower. So, right. you know, no one's smoking weed to go faster. I'll tell you that. But I do think that there is a, it's a, it's a slightly different issue than, you know, our sort of up, up in arms PC equality first culture is making it seem, I don't think it's as black and white. I don't think it's as black and white as black and white. And I don't think it's as black and white as weed or no weed. I think the issue is when you smoke weed, you're, you're, it is possible that you are masking other substances in your system because that's what it does. So, so that's why it's banned mm-hmm. by the IOC. It's, it's really- not actually because anyone's like, I mean, people are probably racist, but it's not because they're racist and it's not because and it's not because like we want to keep people down or like weed for some things is okay, but for other things it's not. It's because weed in this case is a mask of other substances in a drug test. That sucks. Well, sucks. what can you tell us about her chart? Because I think at this point we all want to see Shikari win in the future. Absolutely. I mean, her chart is really interesting for this current moment because number one, she is a cancer rising. So, you know, first of all, if the reason that she smoked weed is not because she is hiding other doping, but in fact, because she was affected by her mother's death and wanted to do something to cope, you know, cancer rising is the sign of the mommy. It's the sign of taking protective measures. It's the sign of kind of trying to stay emotionally safe. So Mm -hmm. I would understand if that was something that she did because she just might have been really emotionally distraught and I would get that as a coping mechanism. That being said, I also think it's possible that she knows that you can smoke weed and make that the issue if there was something else in this space because a cancer rising would rather protect their image or she would rather us think that she got got because of weed and that it was some kind of a fucked up situation versus if there was foul play of any kind she would rather us think that and, and actually play more of a victim. And I'm not saying that she is playing a victim. Again, I'm, I'm pro Shikari and I am cancer Olympics, but I do think as a cancer rising, she's, you know, cancer risings are extremely sort of subtly manipulative. They know how to protect themselves and the people that they love and their images and their whole kind of identities in ways that are very cancer in nature, like hyper controlling and maybe a little bit, behind the scenes manipulative or so that would make sense i also think it's interesting that this new moon is happening right in her first house because it'll be interesting to see what happens after this because this is going to be for her a full-on reset of her identity how she identifies what it is that she's actually building the foundation of her life on moving forward and i don't think it's all bad i mean it could be the kind of thing where she does either she does um qualify for the relays or it starts a larger conversation or it, you know, who knows, maybe she gets so fucking fucked by the whole system, but then she gets some fucking 
ridiculous, you know, some billionaire weed entrepreneur is like BR spokesperson, you know? So it's possible that she doesn't, that this isn't a total loss for her. Yeah. To me, the most interesting thing about this chart though, is that she has her, her moon, right? So her moon, and, and what's interesting too, she and Jamie Lynn, who we're going to talk about later, have really similar charts. But, Whoa. Yeah, kind of wild. But so she has, her son is in Aries in the 10th house, meaning that she is here to be fast in public. I mean, perfect for a runner. She's here to be that first, first, you know, first place, um, first person to be in this position recently. I mean, I don't know, I guess a lot of people have been in this position, but this is really, we haven't heard about this problem in a long time, right? And I guess Michael Phelps had a moment where he was like hitting a bong or something. But what's interesting is, okay, so her, so she's an Aries sun, cancer rising. Her moon is in Sagittarius, exactly conjunct her Pluto, hmm. and with her Chiron right there. So in this moment in time, the South Node in the collective, right? The past life portal that's clearing shit out is directly to the degree on her moon Pluto. So this might be a past life story being played out for her where oh. there were certain beliefs that she held, whether like weed's not that big of a deal or no one's going to catch me or I'm doping and trying to hide it and then play this sort of like righteous victim, even if she's actually not, right? And I'm not saying that I'm, this isn't about race. This isn't about weed. It's about the truth of the possibilities here, right? And Pluto is really, Pluto on her moon means that everything for her is really um, like intense emotions. In, in, her righteousness is, it feels really, it feels really like transformational. So when she takes a stand on something or when she does something that is maybe, you know, doping before the Olympics or whatever, these are areas that she's like willing to fight for and her participation in these issues, whether it's conscious or not, is very much part of what, like the, her even getting into this kind of trouble is going to change the conversation moving forward, you know, regardless, right? Like we're going to have to talk about weed and we're going to, I mean, I'm shocked that I don't hear anybody saying what I just said, which is like, well, it's not just, it's not like she got busted for weed. It's that weed covers steroids. I'm not saying she's on steroids, but yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just like, oh, she's like such a, oh, she's getting busted for something so benign. It's like, no, not but really. International, but the International Olympics Committee is pretty conservative. So that's why I think people are taking it at face value, just sure. that the reason why they ban weed is because weed is still illegal in most countries. That's right. another thing like, people aren't as into getting stoned in other countries as they are in the U S like in Europe, obviously there are stoners, but it's not as big of a thing. I really think like the reason why we have Adderall and Xanax and weed and our lives revolve around that in the U S is because of like the pressure that we all put ourselves under and the yeah. individualism. I but, feel that. Yeah. But so my favorite and I say by favorite, I mean least favorite tweet that I saw was from this writer who writes for Quillette, which is like basically a white nationalist publication. And she was like, oh, you know, because Shikari, if people haven't seen her, she's got long orange hair right now. And she's got very long nails with really fun nail art. And this cool. woman tweeted- Definitely cool. I'll call her that. Yeah, she's got a great look. This woman tweeted, oh, one of the side effects of doping is- extra strong hair and nail growth and like, okay tell me you have no female friends without telling me you have no female friends because 
<laughs> this is said this is like said by a woman who definitely only hangs out with men because she thinks they're less drama and she doesn't even know that hair extensions and fake nails exist you know that's what I mean? hilarious yeah like how about we just assume these are uh these are acrylics come on lady yeah who would ever, not her fucking nails who would look at that photo of shikari and be like wow she has grown her nails very naturally insane and i can't believe her hair is growing orange out of her head and it's so strong like come right. on. like please well, not to mention i believe this has kind of been like her look the whole time too like if you look if you like i just googled her just to see like sometimes she has long blue hair mm-hmm. sometimes she like she has long blonde hair here like number one the likelihood that we are talking about wigs or extensions is pretty fucking high and mm-hmm. these nails are not anybody's natural nails everybody if you have nails like this that kylie jenner is not growing her nails out people she is pressing them on so right. like let's especially like, as an, get real about that especially as an athlete so right. okay we wish shikari the best shikari but i do think this is like a past life clearing out for her that ultimately will lead to something good but I, I think that this is just like, this is almost like, like the fact that it's so aligned with the nodes and the eclipses and her Pluto south node Chiron, like ultimately this is the wound of her life, right? Like yeah. this does hurt. And this is the thing that hurts like in her world that, you know, and actually if, and if it's not that she was doping, if it actually was that she was upset about her mother's death, which would be completely appropriate, I would totally understand. But if that is why, then this is, also a very Sagittarius moon lesson, which is that, and this is to all my Sag moons out there, send one out to you, the lovers, the Sag moon passionate lovers out there and listening with your headphones on. Your feelings are not the most important thing. And I think that that is where the Sag moons get really fucking, I mean, I, my, my. They like self-sabotage in a way. Yeah. Like they, they self-destruct, right? Like, so, so, you know, there's, I have a lot of Sag moons in my life and I love Sag and I love Sag moons, but like, they'll like fight at the party and then they'll like leave without resolving anything. Like that's so Sag, like light the flame, burn it down and then get out of there. So (laughs) I think that this is sort of like a, for her, whatever karma that she has come into this life with, I think that she is being not tested, but I think that this is, this is actually, because the other interesting thing, I, I was saying that we have all these planets in Leo opposing Saturn. Well, when I look at Shikari's chart, you know, like she has her North node, meaning her life's purpose, right? Like her Dharma, the purpose of her iteration at one degree Leo. So look, even if, okay, I'm not actually into the Olympics. I'm not really into sports unless it's talk guys. I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm not that athletic right I'll, I'll date a basketball player if i can but mm. in general i don't really know what's going on in the game i don't even know who's in the finals right now right i would never have heard of shakar richardson but because of this drama and because her north node meaning that her south node is in aquarius where saturn is right so she is having a this is like a double past life karmic lesson that she's experiencing but you know what i have never heard of her before this moment. And so on some level, even if it's like an ugly, messy road to get there, this did bring her into and her feelings and her experience and her stardom, right? North Node and Leo, she's meant to be that runner. She's meant to be that household name. She, her, her, her like talent is her life's work. So 
And in order to really be celebrated and compensated and yeah, Olympics would be nice. We all, we all want a little medal. So cool. Right. But in general, athletes careers also don't end at the Olympics. Like this in some way could have actually could lead to a way bigger career for her down the line. This is what I'm sort of hoping. And whether it's that she becomes a, some kind of an advocate or gets, I mean, she's also beautiful. Like who knows, yeah. maybe she's a talk show host after this, or maybe she becomes, you know, like this could. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Tangential to Shikari is Jen Saki, who everyone I follow on Twitter, man, I need to cleanse my friggin' timeline because there have been far too many people yas queening a government uh-huh. propagandist on my timeline for my taste. So Jen Saki, if people don't know, she is the White House press coordinator. I forget what it's called now. All of my, the, all of press the little, maybe? yeah, press secretary, all of the little things I learned during the Trump years are slowly leaking out of my head and I'm very happy about it. But you don't even um, have a bachelor's. You're crushing it. And I have her chart up. We can discuss. Yeah. So she basically, she's, she's, you know, the, um, publicist for Biden. And we all knew who the publicists for Trump were because they were all nasty to reporters. They were terrible. They were dickheads, but Yeah. Even when a publicist is being nice, you have to understand that their job is to sort of obfuscate and dodge, dive, dip, duck, and dodge. Like that is what publicists are doing. Even if they are fighting for the the greater good, they're still not being 100% truthful because no one looks good under 100% truth. So basically what happened was Jen Psaki, she you know, she said that she, that the White House praises Shikari Richardson and they're all on her side and, you know, they, they don't blame her for be, having weed in her system or whatever. She said she's an inspiring young woman, but she wouldn't say if the president agreed with her suspension from the Olympic team. But here's the thing. The Biden White House fired a bunch of staffers who admitted to having smoked weed when they first, when Biden first took office. So obviously this is, you know, playing both sides of the fence. And this is like definitely a political football because there is a lot of race involved. There's a lot of this. Also this Shikari story came like, it was like the third or fourth fourth story in a week of like a black woman being screwed over by the Olympics committee. Right. So it's, it, no one wanted to see this happened. No one wanted to see her. Well, I mean, shitty people wanted to see this happen, but it was not, it was, it was like, there was a, it was a fraught moment for Jen Psaki to be talking about. So Jen Psaki to me radiates girl boss energy. She is someone who is super duper liberal, like hundred percent to the T would wear the kente cloth during black lives matter. And was that not the worst moment of your lifetime so far? So what can you tell me about her and what can you tell me about like, what is the girl boss sign? Can we nail that down? Ooh, I love that. I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, no offense, mom, but I do feel like in general, the girl boss sign would probably be Capricorn. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of feel that. And I don't want to even say it because I know it's not what you want to hear, but I do feel like she... I mean, and she's not a Capricorn, but I do feel like in general, the girl boss sign would probably be like, probably Capricorn because it's like, we are, it's a feminine sign, but then it's also like, and 
you know, we are out here like changing the system. We are out here in an organized way, bringing women to the front. But here's the thing. Capricorns don't want to change the system. And Capricorn and girl bosses, I would argue, should be under a masculine sign because being a girl boss is all about like just basically being a man and neutering yourself and just being like the dudes in the office Mm. and sort of sucking it up and just doing that. So I feel like maybe Aquarius is- I was just going to say, if not Capricorn, then probably Aquarius, right? Because they can kind of be more- Right. It's less emotional. It's less like, but it is about like inspiring all the people. And it's like, right. Maybe it's like a new ideology on. But it's only inspiring all the people if that's also helping your bottom line. And I think for being like being a girl boss, you have to be galaxy brain. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, you have to be able to step back and look at the whole structure and figure out how you're going to infiltrate and yeah, whether you're going to do Aquarius. it by being the cool girl or by being, you know, the the serious girl or whatever. So I think like Capricorns also have a really good sense of humor. If I do say mm-hmm. so myself, oh, we absolutely. Have- we are two Cap- Capricorn Moon Mars over here. You got a Capricorn sound here. If this is not the funniest celebrity astrology podcast out right now, I do not know what. Right. So I just feel like Jen Saki to me seems like the kind of person who does not laugh and just sits and like maintains weird eye contact. That's so funny. I mean, I do think like, you know, the Biden administration in general is, is like, they sort of have a little bit of a socially weird, humorless. Not like, they're humorless. They're yeah. Like it is, it's like serious, like hospice is serious, you know, but um, I feel like, okay, well, so this is really interesting because we have a huge theme emerging today and okay. So Jen Saki, is speaking of girl boss she's an aquarius rising go mall knew it go mall but you know we have uh shikari sag moon jen is sag sun on her midheaven so her legacy and her radiant energy and actually also her mars well let me just make sure this is correct but also her uh this chart I'm looking at is like sort of odd, but yeah. So basically she is a, and actually Neptune is conjunct her midheaven and her son. So she actually is a little bit confused about what to say specifically because she wants to be that sad, rah, rah, rah. And that sad, like passionate. I want you to remember what I'm saying about this. But then when Neptune is in the mix there, which also represents drugs and that sort of like Pisces, like watery, like we don't really know it the right thing is or what the truth is or you know neptune is very confusing so i think she's a little bit like well maybe i could just say this thing that isn't really saying anything and and uh everyone's not gonna notice but it's like no we notice yeah and i do feel like she um yeah i feel like she just is in a weird public position where as a sagittarius you want to be that like word on everything but then it's like be, it's not her word. So she's not speaking for herself. She's speaking for the Biden administration. And it's interesting too, because he's a Sag rising. And so I think we're seeing a lot of this Sagittarius, like it's almost like, a, um, and, and the South node is in Sagittarius. Let's not forget, right? So there's a huge yeah. wipeout going in the area of Sagittarius in your chart and everybody who's like a big time Sag in your life. There is like a huge, we're talking about doing like detoxes and purges. Like if you have Sag in your chart, this whole year has been a, a purge in whatever way. So I feel like we're really seeing this sort of like other side of Sagittarius this year where it's sort of like, oh, well, 
maybe you don't actually know everything. Maybe you aren't like the final word. Maybe you aren't the truth with the capital T. And I think it's just like a painful moment for a lot of Sagittarians because what Sagittarians get off on is being that like righteous, you know, that righteous like final word in everything. But when there's a case like this, which is actually so complicated and there's so much more going on than than just like whether or not she was stoned while she ran faster than anybody on the, in the world like to me it's like give her the let's like double her her appearances in tokyo if she's fucking stoned and running fast a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. That's where this bitch got lungs of steel and she's the best. Well, the thing about being a publicist in general is like you can't really be righteous and be pushing the truth because no one's perfect. And like, if you are that confident and righteous in what you're saying, it's not always going to be totally true. Do you know what I mean? Especially when you're a mouthpiece for the government, like, right. That is selling your soul to the devil. Like that's almost even worse than being in the government because I feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not like a, yas queen go girl profession you know what i mean well and i also think it's sort of like it's interesting that we have so many sagittarians in in government and in public office and we really do and even like my aunt whose apartment i stay in all the time like she was a she she was a a a civil servant as she would say but she you know she spent her whole year working in her whole life working in government like she was she worked for mayors and she worked for but her whole chart is in sag but I think that the hard thing about Sag is like, and I think it's really the the energy of this year, which is like, 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 so a publicist for the government as a Sag Midheaven and Sag Sun in general, that, whoa, I don't know if whoa. you can hear that storm a Bruin talking about Jen and Shakari and the Sagittarians. They are pissed that they're even on the mic this way. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like, um, I think that we're in this moment where like in general, a Sagittarius would love to work in government, even if they're just the mouthpiece for government, because they're like, yes, I am famous. I get to like speak for the people. I get to be that final word. But right now, because we're seeing not only how corrupt government is in general and how, how truly like the North node in Gemini, as opposed to Sagittarius is asking us actually to understand the story. Right. So like to me, when I read this job, a publicist's job is not to help understand the story. It's right. to help understand right. the story that the client wants you to understand. Like a publicist is not giving you access to a person. They're standing between you and that person. Yes. Like they're a, they're like a halt who goes there and they're yes. 
standing between it. Like I've never worked and I, you know, I've worked on so many stories. I've worked with so many publicists, but never have they like really made my job easier. Like, yes, they can be a shortcut to information. If I'm like, oh, how many units did you sell of this last year? They'll, they'll be like, oh yeah, I can get that for you. But then when you're like, can I have an exact quote on the phone from the person? They're like, ooh, no, you can get an email one. And I'm like, yeah, I know you're going to fucking write it, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, that's what's, it's weird yeah. for a Sagittarius to be in PR. It feels maladjusted to me. Well, and it's interesting too, because, and again, this is, I'm on a different system or so I'm having a slight trouble reading it, but according to this chart, if I'm reading this correctly, she's also a Sag Mercury, Sag Mars and Sag Moon. So it, according to this chart, if it is correct, her whole life's work is wrapped up in being that final word she is like drop the mic i said what i said and i think that this is a really good lesson in the astrology of the moment which is like oh actually without understanding the ins and outs of the story like maybe it'll change things i mean i don't know she's not gonna single jen's not gonna single-handedly change the way that we do press secretaries at the white house but i do think that this i think that the level of incomplete answers that we've gotten not only from like in a way from the Trump people, we sort of expected it because he doesn't tell the truth either. Yeah. So it's not like there's anybody that's like doing any sort of truth telling in this administration. So we wouldn't, it's like, okay, whatever. They're all just like spouting bullshit with Biden. We're sort of like, well, okay, give us a, give us a good liberal like talking, you know, a speaker orator to actually represent you. And I think we're like, Oh, actually this job sucks. And this is not someone that we can really trust. And they're really not interested in, telling the whole story. And that is what we need to know in a case like this. Yeah, exactly. Like at the end of the day, Jen Psaki is always going to be putting a kente cloth on it. Yeah. Yeah. Throw a kente cloth on it. We support you. And yet, and yet you have not, you have done nothing to help. Yeah. So one of the most fun and stupid things that came out in the past week or so was this story in People Magazine that was called Faces of the 2021 Punk Rock Scene. Love it. They have since changed the headline to Stars Who Embrace Punk Rock Style, but it started out as probably the best trolling of 2021 so far, (laughs) and is called Faces of the 2021 Punk Rock Scene. It's the dawning of a new age for the punk rock aesthetic, which, first of all, punk rock is not an aesthetic. (laughs) No. I mean, what is it? They're just like a genre? It's an ideology and it's like, well, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to actually stand for something and it's not just wearing a studded belt. And, you know, back in our day, if you just wore a studded belt, but you didn't actually know who like the cure was, they would call you a poser. That's right. But nowadays it doesn't fucking matter. Like the most basic people that you see are wearing like the signifiers of punk rock. We actually coined a term for it when I worked at Galore. Drea Nickel, who worked, who I worked with at Galore, she came up with this term. It was, we were starting to see, it was when Nasty Gals sort of started popping off. Yeah. All these girls who were in like head to toe Juicy Couture five years ago were now in like studded belts and Guns and Roses t-shirt, t-shirts. And they definitely had no idea where those things came from. They just thought it looked cool. So mm. we came up with this word called Veggie. It's basic plus edgy. Ooh, veggie. Make it merch. And well, 
Drea made it up. So it's Drea. We'll do a collab, collab, yeah. Space Trash X Drea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's such a thing. And now it's like, you can't you hear even- this storm, by the way. Let me mute for a second. Sorry. It's really cool, and I I wish I was in this storm. We okay, don't this get actually like this is like an ASMR episode. Yeah, we're, keep we're it on the storm. Keep the thunder. But so you can't even really talk about Veggie anymore because it's just everywhere. It has so permeated. There isn't really that much of like a pure basic aesthetic anymore. Like nobody wears polo shirts. I think polos are gonna come back ironically soon. But anyway. We do have space trash polos. Worry not. I know. And I, I really think those are going to be big sellers at some point. Yeah. We're famous. So Machine Gun Kelly, he's the first entry on People Magazine's Faces of Punk Rock. Whoa. MGK with a neck tattoo is synonymous with punk rock. That's the caption. Love. I mean, that's so funny also because I'm looking at his chart and it's like he's so not that punk rock. Right. Like he's just doing punk rock cosplay like he's doing this genre he's doing pop punk and he's i guess he's kind of updating it for today but you know he's a very mainstream artist well, Next, just funny, like his whole chart is taurus pisces Oh, I would not associate with punk rock anything. Yeah, not at all. Megan Fox is the next entry since Fox which I would argue she is punk rock actually she, maybe more than him I mean he sort of to me is like sort of a typical rap, like white rapper, you know, like in whatever way. I mean, she has, I mean, well, and I was, I actually have both their charts up because we were going to do relationship stuff. And actually her chart is heavy. uh, Her chart is heavy Taurus, which is interesting. I mean, she has that Scorpio midheaven though, which I think can be very punk rock because it's kind of like, I'm here like getting the power back and I'm here like, you know, the thing is, she is a rebel and she is getting the power back. Like she was so ahead of her time with calling out Michael Bay and being honest yeah. in interviews. And she is punk rock out of all of these people. She's punk rock. So the she caption- also has a Capricorn rising conjunct her um, Mars. So like, I, I really see like her chart really has a lot of this, like, and her moon's in Leo. So she has a lot of energy of like, I appear to be the system, which is like, she was a, she was a child actor. She was young. She got in when she was, you know, but then she's like, okay, now that I'm in the system, I'm really going to take back the power, control my own narrative, do things that you might think are weird. And I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And, and, and she's now really more known for that than any of her movies. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I love that about her. Let yeah. me just read the caption. Since Fox started dating Machine Gun Kelly in 2020, she's become closely associated with the punk rock scene. I just love this. What punk rock scene? There's not a punk rock scene in 2021 and it's sure as hell not in Calabasas. Right. It's like, these are like the richest punk rockers. Right. right. Punk rockers are a little bit like, fuck the system. Like these people are banking on the system, which is sort of funny in and of itself. And there never was one monolithic punk rock scene. It was like regional. It was all in different cities. Like it was, there was, it was never like, oh, that's the scene. Like it was in different countries. Well, it's almost like this article is like trying to like, be like, this is the scene. And it's like, well, I know know, that's why it's so funny. And it's so like, it's so postmodern. I kind of love it. It's just so devoid of meaning. It's it, none of the words in this mean anything. And then they've got Courtney Kardashian as Kourtney a face. Kardashian being punk rock. Face of punk rock. Lots of black and lots of vinyl make the perfect outfit for the girlfriend of Blink One Eighty Two's drummer. Like, I mean, 
Courtney could Cardell. not be less associated with the punk rock movement if she she Poosh is not punk rock. Let me let me be crystal clear. Yeah, like punk rock is rebelling. Courtney literally goes with the system to a fault. Like she no, she's only- like friends with 17-year-old TikTokers just to get in on the on the game. Yeah, like she is the only way she rebels is saying like I'm not going to work. And that's not that's not right. her big rebellion is like I'm just going to be a mom and pretend it's a lifestyle brand. Right. Like her, that's her one Venn diagram slice that overlaps with punk is not wanting to have a corporate job. But right. like she also is like totally down to be part of this multimedia empire that is not really helping anyone. Mm-hmm. So and then, of course, Travis is on there. And even Travis Barker is not considered punk rock. He's considered pop punk. He's pop punk. I mean, Blink-182 yeah. is one of the greatest pop bands of all time. Yeah, their songs are pop songs. They are the Pop songs. Mm-hmm. It's not fucking, like, Sid Vicious being like, ah, 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 I'm on heroin. Like, you know? It's-, it's like the most, like, sound good rock. Like, it's like a very, like, light sort of and it's all about like love and like breakup, like walking like, you coming home and like, yeah yeah <laughs> wow this list was basically just like hollywood's hottest couples maybe it's like they're punk rock with their love because they're like fuck what you guys thought we were gonna do or fuck who you thought we should be with maybe that's part of it no it's literally <laughs> just because they wear black they were black they were black and vinyl am yeah. i punk rock that's all it is. It's the aesthetic. That's literally yeah. all it is. Oh, they have Miley, Miley Cyrus. She demonstrated her rocker vocals on her album, Plastic Hearts. Every song on there lives in our heads rent-free. Miley's definitely having a rock moment, and that is certainly the best genre for her and for her voice. I will say that. Well, I don't know if I would say that she's like, I mean, I guess in a way she, out of anybody on this list so far, is sort of punk rock only because she does like defy expectations left and right i mean she did start with that like disney background she's also a sag which is interesting we have so many sag energy with so much sag energy on this week's pod but i feel like she is sort of punk rock in a way that we just like we can't like count on her to do the thing that we expect her to do like as a disney star as a pop star but also i think just being a nepotism celeb period automatically disqualifies you from being punk rock they also have willow smith on here which i would agree like i don't care how awesome willow and miley are i love them their music is great they've got charisma coming out the ass but like you can't be a nepotism star and be punk rock I agree. If anything, Jade is like the only punk rock star we have. Yeah. It includes Avril Lavigne and calls her the original punk rocker girl. Avril. I mean, she's the original punk rocker girl is like Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry definitely is. Like, are you kidding? Avril Lavigne is like Britney Spears with a studded belt. Like when we were little- Everyone knew Avril Lavigne was a poser and it was bullshit. But here's the thing. There's, I think there's a generational divide on Avril Lavigne because when, also when I worked at Galore, the girls who were just a few years younger than us, they like idolized her. Like she was their Stevie Nicks. Like they were like, yes, they were like, like four songs. I know. And she just had no, she really wasn't that talented. And like, she was just a kind of an industry plant, you know, like she was, you know, and 
all of the girls that I would work with, they would be like, oh my God, yeah, Avril, like she's rock. Like we need more celebs like Avril again. And I was like, what? Like no one took her seriously. Well, and I guess the other question is like, where did the, where does like the skater girl persona, like are skaters punk? Yeah. Okay. Well, she is a skater girl who said, see you later girl. So I feel like not a skater girl. She's just a girl who wrote, sang a song about a skater boy. Mm, it's kind of like queer baiting. She's doing like skate bait. Yes, she is skate baiting and she's like punk baiting. You know, this is really a sore subject for me because I, <laughs> I, know, that gate, I know that gatekeeping is bad. And I know that especially nowadays, the, the subcultures are supposed to be mutable and be able to change and everything. But this list feels like erasure. And it feels like the person who wrote it had absolutely no clue what they were talking about. Right. I mean, well, it's probably someone that's like, you know, a 22-year-old unpaid. Like, what publication is this from? It's from People, which pays. Oh, really? And, yeah. I mean, I realty, I know someone who works at People, and they were like, I have no idea who wrote that. So... <laughs> It probably was like an intern and like the editor just was like, didn't have any idea what punk is and was just like, oh yeah. Because it's true that like all of these people named in this story, they are the face of the current iteration of the pop punk aesthetic. Let's say the pop punk aesthetic. And I feel like when I think about punk rock, like what it really is, is basically like garage band life. Like, it's like the people that came up in the 70s that weren't part of the establishment that were like literally like, like rocking out in their fucking mom's garages until they fucking made it. And, and doing like fucked up shit, like Iggy right. Pop and like Sid Vicious. Like it was, it was not people who live in Calabasas and drive around the neighborhood on a golf cart. Well, also, isn't that the other piece of it that like actually punk rock is specifically like a UK thing? No, it's not. I feel like when I think about punk rock, like, from, like, the, like when I'm like, who are the big punk rockers that you can think of? It's, like, The Clash. It's, like, The it started. It, like, started in New York, and it, it sort of branched out all over the world mm. to, like, UK and other parts of the US. Mm. So it definitely all grew in tandem, but... Mm. Yeah, it's that's like why it's so like, funny to say the punk rock scene because it's like if if you were around when punk rock was the thing, which it never was because it was a subculture, but right, it's like it's you, not a scene. That's like kind of the thing, right? If you were in New York and if you were in London, like the punks would have been, yeah, you would have been able to look at them and tell who's a punk, but they still would have had different dress codes and different, like they would have had different music that they're into. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was like regional because there was no social media and now it's just been diluted into like this consumer product of just, oh, she wears ripped jeans with a fucking necktie. She's punk. Like, well, no. I think that part of it though, too, is that like the culture has changed so much. So like when punk rock, hypothetically, when punk rock became like a, an emerging subculture in like the sixties and the seventies, we were coming from a much more conservative, uh, like, like cultural ideology. Right. So we're coming out of these like happened fifties and like, you know, the world was still very you know, s split in terms of like civil rights, uh, you know, civil rights uh, support and 
and what how we want to move the country forward. And so I feel like when punk rock came out, there was an element of it that was truly edgy because nobody was wearing fashion that was like dangerous in nature or like looked like fucked up or had like safety yeah. pins or now not only is it just such a norm but I also think that there's like a sexual element to it and really I'm talking out of my ass I'm not sure if I'm right or not but I do <laughs> feel like when I think of Pug Brock I think about like S&M and I think about sort of like you know bondage and I think about sort of because that is what these leather the leather chains it's like a very dominatrix kind of vibe or a very there's something erotic about punk rock that's very like fuck the norms and like yeah. fuck 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 what people um are out there you know saying is appropriate or normal like no we're doing it like our way and we're getting off on whatever we get off on but now I think the culture is so oversaturated with sex and S&M and bondage and yeah well and the thing is when so punk rock, yeah when punk rock first started to walk around with a mohawk and a leather jacket with safety pins was shocking like people would be shocked they would turn you away from stores and stuff and like now babies have mohawks dogs have mohawks everyone's got a freaking mohawk yeah it's just so much more accepted today and i think the other thing is like punk rock was indie it was not you could you would not be on a major label and consider yourself punk you know right. if people actually wants to do like a service to the punk rock community they gotta drive around all the streets in america who are the loudest drummers in the neighborhood go check out their garage band and yeah. actually like like share some new hot artists you know like i feel like calling like Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, the face of the punk rock scene, is like they are Hollywood celebrity scene. They are reality TV stars, and they are super fucking wealthy. So you, I don't know if like trendsetters specifically can be known as punk rock. Yeah, no, they can't. Once I don't think you it can get be punk, punk rock with a lifestyle and wellness brand. I just don't think that makes sense. Exactly, exactly. And I, th I think the problem just is that people have shaved the pop off of pop punk because we are having a pop punk resurgence right now. And that is definitely worthy of a listicle. It's fully happening. It's a hundred percent happening and it's interesting and it's cool. And I, and I love seeing what like Courtney and Travis are wearing. It's really fun. It's very much like a throwback to like when we used to all go to the warp tour, but it's yeah. not punk. It's pop punk. It's, it's yeah. major label approved. It's top 40 approved. It's totally, palatable to people of all right. ages. Punk is never going to be top 40 approved. That's like the whole thing. It's an, it's an opposite of the system. Right. And once it does become top 40, all the fans turn on you. So it's- Right, right. Yeah. It's so, like not necessarily something we would even like wish upon anyone. Yeah. What do you think are the most punk signs? I guess even though we said Aquarius is girl boss, I can also see it in Aquarius being pretty punk. But I think actually, Aquarius is pretty punk. I think Aries is very punk. Yeah, Aries Sagittarius, because Sagittarius mm -hmm. is one to be like, no, fuck this is dumb. fuck everything. Yeah. I actually don't think Aquarius now that I'm thinking about it, because I feel like Aquarius uses their galaxy brain powers to ascend the ladder. So like I would only see an Aquarius in in punk or in any subculture if they were almost like a cult leader. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean Right, like Aquarians, I mean, if anything, right, it's like somebody who has the power to influence the culture, maybe. So that's when, where it could be like, oh, wow, yeah. they're like different individual among the sea of people. And now we're focusing on them. But really, like, no, when I think of punk, I think of it as being like a very fire, like 
Aries, that the first sign, like do whatever you want, like me first, doing my own thing. I don't care what you guys think of my aesthetic. I'm doing my own aesthetic. And Sagittarius too, which is like, I have these like righteous views and this different attitude and I'm going to make it my work to express it like yeah. big and loud. To me, it's a fire thing. Yeah, I think, it, yeah. And I think an Aquarius would be, okay, so Iggy Pop is a Taurus sun, Taurus moon. A lot of Taurus. Cancer rising. Let's see what Sid Vicious's chart was. I think also, um, yeah, Sagittarius has to be the number one. Taurus. Sid Vicious is a Taurus. Wait, this is really interesting that, well, okay, so if I were going to make a case for Taurus, what I would say is that Taurus is very much a sign that is like, fixed like it is not changeable right so like Taurus is like oh you don't do it the way that I do it well I'll just do it my own way and like so I could see I mean I'm really shocked at how much Taurus there is in this list in general I guess like yeah that would be the sort of thing maybe that Taurus is just like oh I don't care how everyone does things these are my values this is what I'm interested in this is the music that I want to make these are the clothes I want to wear and nothing that you can say is going to move me in any type of direction because the the foundation for Taurus stability really comes down to just like honoring your values and we know from my manual presentation on Taurus that Tauruses are communists and a lot of Punk yeah. are anti work, anti corporate, anti exploitation of workers. So I think that also yeah, tracks. that sort of that sort of tracks. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to see what Debbie Harry's chart is. I guess the other sign, whereas like MGK and um, I mean, if we're using MGK and and what's her name, Megan, Megan as any kind of you know barometer, but you know, I guess Pisces in a way could also be sort of punk, only because Pisces is so like artistic and kind of in its own like world and it's you know it also is the sign that sort of rules you know ownership and slavery and 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 addiction and so maybe on some level that Pisces energy is one that is actually like you know it's more nebulous than we would maybe uh, more nebulous and soft and maybe we would like ascribe to traditional punk rock values but I do think Pisces being like, hey, man, like, I'm already dead. Like, it's sort of like a sign of, like, the in-between. So for that to be somewhere where you're kind of, like, bringing new ideas out of the ether and out of the subconscious and kind of going, fuck the system or fuck the way things were. I'm, like, turning it over. I, I could and, and just, like, high, high levels of artistry with Pisces. Yeah. And addiction. Well. Oh, my God. Joey Ramone is a Taurus. Wow. Uncovered and- here first, you guys. Punk rock is Taurus. Taurus is punk rock. He's a Taurus sun, Scorpio moon. Uh, but Blondie, Debbie Harry of Blondie, she is a Cancer sun, Scorpio rising, Pisces moon. Okay. So I think, but her dominance, Taurus is one of her dominant planets. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I would have never guessed Taurus, but that's pretty, that actually does make sense to me. How about this? Debbie Harry has the same birthday as Princess Diana and Pamela Anderson, three most iconic blondes of the 20th century. Wow. How interesting. Yeah, what the fuck? July 1st. So they all just had their birthday. Wow. And she's 5'3". She's my height. Okay. Meant to be friends. Yeah. Listen to the pod. 
All right. Well, well this is so interesting though. Taurus is that sign. I know. We're going to have to make some content about this for sure, aside from the incredible content that we're making right now. No, this is incredible content. Do you want to know something funny? I was listening to um, a podcast today. I, I've been listening to this amazing podcast nonstop called Lay Do You Remember This? And it's about the 2000s. It's a storytelling podcast um, hosted by this woman named Dara Lane. I honestly want to get her on here because I'm- Dara, so- come to the pod. Come on, face trash. But she had a really good get over quarantine. She got Tara Reid on there. And it was really funny because Tara Reid was like, so the host was like, oh, how did you get famous or discovered or whatever? And Tara was like, oh, well, I lived in New Jersey. I was from New Jersey. And I was like, I had no idea she was from Jersey. Mm-hmm. But then she was like, and I was in the Jersey Mall. And I was like, the Jersey Mall? She's from Ridgewood. She's talking about the Paramus Mall, I bet. So she goes, I was in the Jersey Mall getting pizza. And I was like, okay, this sounds like a an alien <laughs> who like watched the Sopranos. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, the Jersey Mall is like, you mean every block is a Jersey Mall. Which which mall, Tear? Right. And like, oh, you were getting pizza? But it, anyway, I, I just thought that was funny. And other than that, it was a really charming, really nice interview. So I was curious of what her chart is. Speaking of iconic blondes, she is a Scorpio sun, Capricorn rising, Capricorn moon. Yep. 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 I mean, and she's interesting too, though, because it's like, her midheaven is in Libra. So it's like, it's kind of interesting. Like she comes off, like when we first met her, she was kind of like that, like American pie, nice girl, like coming across like really like sort of normal, likable, whatever. And then she kind of had some dark years where it was like the minute she got famous, it was like, actually I'm all Scorpio. And then it was like, you know, her, her, I see here, like her Mercury is conjunct her Uranus in Scorpio. Her North node is in Scorpio. Her sun is in Scorpio. She really actually is here to like expose the darkness to us. Mm. And it's like, thank you, Tara. You're doing it. You're doing it. She is. I really like her. I'm a, I'm a big fan now. And she's just yeah. a ray of sunshine. I also want to say just in terms of like pattern recognition, Dara, Tara, and I'm your host, Sarah. We got to get everybody on the pod because there is there are too many synchronicities to ignore. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you want to say before we jump into our guest? Well, you know, I guess what I want to say is um, thank you all for listening to this Big Trash podcast, and you're gonna really like our guest. She's one of my one of my faves of all time, Mrs. Dow Jones, Haley Sack. Yeah, she's awesome. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our merch on Etsy and Shopify. Get a polo before they're cool again. They are going to be so cool, especially the one we have. It says Sweet But Scorpio, and it has a um, constellation. It's really cool. Oh, there's new really cool Capricorn merch that says boring hashtag not all capricorns with a picture of Kate Moss and David Bowie because they're both Capricorn. Okay, buying that before we get sued. I know. Done and done. Don't manifest that. No, before we get um, Sue famous. Yeah, Sue famous. So yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Did you have one thing you want to throw in about? Well, it's about Jamie Lynn Spears. We're going to talk about it later, but I was listening to, well, there are two things actually, I guess. Number one, that hilarious article that came out. Did you see where it was like, like breaking news, Joey Fatone and AJ at one point couldn't be in the same room together of the Backstreet Boys. And I'm oh, like, yeah. such a funny, just like news story to even come out because it's just like, oh, the two non-factors in the group 
we're, com- we're, we're actually like triggering each other. And it's like, whatever they think the issue was, like, it's clearly because they were both just like, like, no, okay, you're the worst. AJ no, you're the was, worst. AJ was my hot one. I thought he was the hottest Backstreet Boy. But That's I hated the Jersey in you. I hated the Backstreet Boys. I was a big Lance fan. So, so okay. we talk about Jamie Lynn later on. And Sarah, after we got off the mic, was like, oh shit, I forgot to say this about Lance. So here's okay. what you're saying about Lance. So here's what I want to say about Lance. Lance in did an interview i think it was with kelly clarkson if i remember i've been i've been down that youtube rabbit hole just so fucking much so fucking much that like now all this leather is blending okay i'm punk but it's like he said to someone someone was like have you spoken to britney you know she toured with them she knew them so she was like i don't know if she toured with them but you know there's the same scene talk about a scene that's a scene okay 90s 2000s pop groups right so she he said i did check on britney um, the only person that I could reach out to because you can't really reach Brittany right now is I spoke to Jamie Lynn who assured me that Brittany is fine. And so this was a few years ago where he did check in and he checked in with Jamie and she said something to the effect of Brittany's fine and Brittany's happy with all this. So we know that in conversation with a friend of Brittany's, Jamie Lynn, actually he was like, I stopped trying to like pursue what's going on with Britney because if Jamie Lynn says she's good, that's her sister. She loves her. I know she's good. So, okay. Jamie Lynn knew people were concerned. She knew people were concerned. She was sticking up for the conservatorship saying that is Britney's fine. Everything's fine. So that's one thing. And the other thing is that there was another interview with Jamie Lynn that came out where she was talking about, somebody said like, you know, it was during the pandemic and they were like, how's Brittany dealing with the pandemic? Like what's going on? And she's like, I think she's having a hard time like everybody else. And it was this big thing where like, like everyone else was like the message. She said it a few times. Brittany's just like everyone else. She's having a hard time just like everyone else. And it's like, no, that's actually not, not only is she not being treated like everyone else and not having a hard time like everyone else, Yeah. but, but actually this was like the worst time of her life. And I get it. Like, if you don't feel like you want to talk about it publicly, fine. But I wouldn't keep, I think it's interesting that, that Jamie Lynn keeps like, like talking about Britney in these just like platitudes or these like, you know, it's like, she's, uh, she's having a hard time during the pandemic, like everyone else. It's like, no, even not in the pandemic, they treat her like it's a pandemic. She can't even leave the freaking house. Right. Right. But I do think the Lance Bass thing where Lance called Jamie and said, I just want to check in on Britney. And Jamie said, Britney's fine. Yeah, so Jamie's a liar. She's full of crap, allegedly. So we're gonna talk about it more later. Now enjoy our interview with Haley Sachs. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Haley Sachs, alias Mrs. Dow Jones. You know her from Instagram and I guess like the stock market. Haley, welcome to Space Trash. Thank you so much for having me. I am a longtime listener, first time caller. So Haley, you contain multitudes because your whole brand is about like finance and being funny with finance, but you also like astrology and celeb stuff. Well, Uh, My brand is based off of, yeah, humor and pop culture and using that as a way in to help people become financially literate and ultimately grow wealth in the stock market or, you know, any asset class that you prefer. We've got some crypto heads on the listening because I know crypto heads. Yeah, crypto heads. I know it's a subversive community. Um, But yeah, I'm obsessed with celebrities and I 
wish that I didn't like astrology, but like it keeps being real, you know? So I'm like, it's sort of undeniable like that it like it's, I, I probably look for fault in it. And then it's like, I can't find it because it truly just like actually does measure up. Right. I think the the gateway of that for women in our generation probably was learning that Mary Kate and Ashley were Gemini's when we were all like eight years old. Oh, I, I I'm gonna pull up their chart too, just in case. But right? I think that is really one of those moments where you go, wow, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, and then from then on, that sort of I feel like planted the seeds for all millennials, and then we were like, I'm gonna come back to that, and then we all turned thirty and became witches. So. Well, I'm actually turning 30 in two days. Like, <gasps> so it's 48 hours, baby. And I got 48 hours left in my 20s. What should I do? <sighs> okay, fucking oh, fuck it all up. Okay. <laughs> fuck the bartenders. You know, outrage. Do some kind of outrageous thing. Like pour something on your mom's head. Just Ooh. like 20, just 20 something stuff, you know? <laughs> what, what is the difference? I love my 30s, actually. I got to say, be, be, turning 30 set me free. Me too. Really? Yeah, it was dude. like it was like I turned out of being a pumpkin at midnight on my 30th birthday. Like I just yeah. was like, wait, I actually don't give a fuck anymore. Cause in your 20s, there's so much pressure on you to be like having fun and building the perfect career and saving money. And like I didn't wasn't really good at any of that stuff because I was like so stressed out. And then as soon as I turned 30, I was like, wait, I guess I don't have to try as hard anymore. I would say you should like write down all of the times that you cared what people thought of you in the past decade and then burn it. A, a coach in the making, a coach in the making. <laughs> They're literally <laughs>